Welcome to the Virtual Velo Podcast powered by the Zamunike. We are passionate about cycling and immersed in the virtual cycling community. I'm Chris Schwanker, a freelance cycling journalist, here to lend a voice to the digital athlete and bridge the gap between athlete and avatar. Take a conversational ride with us. Welcome to the Virtual Velo Podcast. I'm Chris Schwanker here with Cy Bradley. There he is, hey, Cy. It seems like we've uh, it's been forever since we've done one of these things. And, you know, life gets in the way and everything else, right? Yeah, well, the the real roads were calling, I think. I don't know what um, the weather's been like over there, but the, the sun came out, the days got longer, and, uh, yeah, we, we've been outside. Well, I've been outside racing and training and, and up to all sorts. So uh, it's good to be sat down again, Chris, and uh, we can talk some indoor cycling because a lot's been happening in these uh, these few months, which is surprising, but, but good, I would say. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because it's the, you know, it's the – indoor cycling, indoor racing off season, but a lot of things have happening. And, and quite frankly, I didn't really think that there was any reason to do podcasts because there really wasn't a lot going on, but recently they have been. And I, I always joke with, with, uh, with my wife, with, uh, when I'm, when I'm writing articles that they come in like such spurts where I have no creativity. And then it just, I have to, I have like 10 things in my mind that I need to get out and I have all these interviews to do and everything like that. But I'm, uh, I'm really interested in when you speak about, uh, the the real roads calling you. I, I know that something big happened to you. Uh, well, big, big, big-ish, I would say. Yeah, for me, it's uh, 42 years of age, trying to uh, to find some legs in, in the, the real world cycling, if you like, again. But so, yeah, I did, I qualified. You, you know, Chris, I, I went to the Esports World Championships in Glasgow earlier this year, which was a fantastic experience. We spoke about it afterwards. But I myself have now qualified for the UCI World Championships in Scotland on the Grand Fondo. But let's not call it Grand Fondo. Let's call it the Amateur Road World Championships. That's what I'm going for. So, yeah, that's that's happened. It was a, it's been a goal since the end of last year. I had a few friends of mine who qualified last time around. And, uh, yeah, I've had a, since I've turned 40, Chris, it's like Masters racing. And I really wanted to get a jersey, a GB jersey on my back at some point. And I thought, I've turned 40, this could be the time to do it. So that's what I did. I went out and uh, yeah, I did the, one of the 27 qualifying events um, that was here in the UK on Pan Flat Road. So not ideal for me. There were some big engines out there. And uh, despite some technical issues, I managed to make the time cut. And I'll be donning that GB jersey like those other esports athletes, but out on the real roads of, of Scotland uh, early August. I think it's the first week in August, um, Friday the 4th of August, if I remember rightly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped and pretty psyched about that. So the, the, the only question to ask here is, would you be more psyched by the ability to wear that jersey or the ZRL champion's helmet? <laughs> Why is it every time we do a podcast, you have to bring up this helmet? Everywhere I turn, social media, podcasts, YouTube, this helmet comes up again and again. Pretty soon you're going to have uh, some other uh, shiny Zwift things to uh, to possibly have in your garage. But uh, to bring up the topic, and I don't know whether this is the, the best kept secret or the worst kept secret in Zwift. Zwift is uh, offering uh, new hardware. 
it's it's going to to real gaming, right? I, that's a really good question. I, I'm not really sure where it's going. Maybe you and I could try to figure that out as as we speak here. But I was nice enough to be invited to the press conference for the Zwift Play controller, and I, I know I. I I joke around. I call myself a, a, a cycling journalist. I'm really not a cycling journalist. I'm a physical therapist. I, I, I call myself that because I'm, I'm hoping that someday they'll actually come true. But I felt like a journalist in this press conference. There were 50 names of people that I could only dream to be uh, you know, at their level. And it, so it was a pretty cool thing. I've uh, held this secret for three weeks now, this embargoed secret. I'm, I'm looking forward to letting you know what I know about this with play and then yeah. discussing you know what it can conceivably mean to the to uh the future of zwift the future of virtual cycling in general yeah you, you've you've managed to keep this pretty secret so far chris because i did see i will admit sneaked out there i did see a picture of what i think you're going to talk about today with these game controllers because i think what we're going to talk about is zwift what's it called zwift chris swift what are they calling it? These gamer, these gamer toys that I've seen a sneaked image out there on Facebook somewhere. What, what's the official name, Chris? It's it's called the Zwift Play, and it's basically a game controller for your bike. This has navigation arrows on the left. It has touchpad on the right. It hooks to your drop handlebars with a like a rubber strap, I guess I would say, um, but. The big thing is that it has steering type joysticks and braking controls. So, you know, it's, it basically is a controller for your bike. So just like a video game controller for your bike. But the fact that it has multi inputs opens up a tremendous amount of potential from the way that they, um, when I say they, when I, I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the people at Swift, the Swift people, the way that they um, framed this uh, Zwift Play controller, this hardware, they're putting a tremendous amount of emphasis on. They say that they've been in uh, development, research and development for over two years, which, which when I heard that, I kind of said to myself, two years, that, that timing seems kind of weird because wasn't that when they laid off their whole hardware division? But um, perhaps they didn't lay off everybody um, because they've had a lot of people working on this controller. And it, you know, the... From what I could see, it, it looked like it'll serve the purpose very well. They spoke about all the, the different sweat, you know, how it's not going to be susceptible to sweat like the Sturzo was. And um, it'll, it, it fits on 99% of handlebars um, that, are, that are out there, you know, not, not straight bars, you know, drop handlebars. The whole entire premise is based on the fact that the centralized hub of the Zwift experience should be the Zwift Action Bar. Now, you know, you know what the Zwift Action Bar is, right? Yes, I do. I rarely use the Action Bar. I've just, I just want to back up a little bit there. Two years in development. I'm just trying to think because obviously we had the Zwift wheel and the the bike that clicked onto the wheel that was, that, that couldn't have been two years ago, was it? When they announced it and then scrapped it. Was it the Zwift Ride, if I remember rightly? Well, wasn't that around about two years ago as well? So... Well, yeah, that was all in 2021, the Zwift wheel and the Zwift ride, correct. And then shortly after that, they, the, that whole thing that went down. And, you know, I, I, of course, you have to feel horrible for anybody that gets laid off, laid oh, of off at any time. But, um, yeah, that was shortly after that. Um, but apparently this, this piece of hardware has been in development all that time. The group in the press conference were extremely excited about it, as if they've put a tremendous amount of emphasis on it. 
But you know, the the whole thing is that they they feel that it's too clunky to be reaching for a keyboard because of that. The people users of Zwift are less engaged and less likely to continue the ride because. They have to, you know, it's not a very, it's not a seamless experience. They have to take their hands off the handlebars. So by being able to access the Zwift action bar without removing their hands from the handlebars, they're more likely to continue riding. It's a continuous experience. That's that's the one one point. Then they also went on to say that, you know, through their, their research, that only 15% of the users actually use the action bar. Yeah. Um, and they feel that it's because you have to use the companion app or use a keyboard. And that whole time I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I do a, a decent amount of Swifting and I know that you do also. And when you say, I don't use the action bar, well, I don't really use it either. Although I, I use it more now with the coffee stop because I've been riding a, a, a million hours and I have to use the coffee stop a couple of times. Um, and with the, teleporting from one robo pacer yep. to another I'm, I'm definitely going to use that because I'm a, I'm a big fan of the robo pacers i really am and being able to jump from one to the other yeah that was one of the best things they did from my point of view was uh and i think it was this week that that release if i remember rightly, being able to teleport because on my warm-up you know if, if any race for example i might start with c you know but then i don't want to be logging out and then logging back in just so i could join b so that teleport i think is great but but i'm with you i don't think there's too much I'm assuming, Chris, it's not just that that bottom menu bar where you've got your coffee stop, your camera view. Camera view I use reasonably frequently, but I'm assuming you can power up. You can activate your power ups there as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the on the right hand side, there's there's a touchpad, and I think there are four inputs there. I'm um, in addition to the steering and the braking controls also. Yeah, I'm looking at the the images now, and I can see these leaked images. I can see four arrows. On, on one controller and then what looked like PlayStation four colored buttons, which look like they've got letters on, on the other controller, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And then, you know, the, the braking and the steering are where your, your, your pointer and index fingers would be just like they would be on a, uh, a, a normal handlebars. I, I asked the question as to whether when you steer, is it um, like in increments, like analog, or is it more continuous. The, the answer that I received was that it's basically allows you an infinite amount of movement from one side to the other. That's not in graded increments. So it's not like set lanes, for example. Well, you know, I, I did ask that question as well. And I was told by uh, the, the developer that there are apparently eight lanes in Swift, but you can move in between the lanes. So it essentially gives you an infinite amount of degrees of movement. So you could feather your position in the draft essentially as well, right? Exactly, exactly. That's that's what they're they're trying to say. Okay. Um. So you know, I don't know. Am I gonna am I gonna use it for the action bar? I might. You know, but I can tell you that the, after I get set up, and for the few times I use the coffee stop and the teleporting, the majority of the time that I'm ever interacting on Swift is when I'm text chatting. But that's I'm constantly reaching for my my companion app to text chat. You know this this thing doesn't solve that problem. And for people that don't use a companion app, they're reaching for their keyboard to text, you know, if they if they interact in game socially, yeah. then they have to reach for the keyboard anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, racing, actually, the less I need to do in racing, the better. Because, I, you know, I want to focus on the tactical aspect, the positioning, 
when we're going to attack and those kind of things. But I, but I do want to access the ability to power up, of course. And then I'll toggle between three and six on the cameras or one and six, depending, depending on what I'm, what I'm using. In fact, the rest of the time, as you know, I'm training. I, it's very rare that I do group rides um, unless I'm warming up. And I know I've landed in a warm-up on a on one of the robo paces before and we, we've had a chat. But the rest of the time I'm doing training plans. And you know what? Actually, I want the keyboard and any control as far away from my hands as possible when I'm doing an Alex Co training session because any opportunity to hit that minus bias when I'm through a, a, a tough set is what I want to be doing. So actually, I don't want it that close. So are, are these things easy easy to put on then? How, I don't understand how they're going to mount around my bars. It's just a, just a strap that goes around the bar. It's a rubber strap. And the the way that it was discussed is that they took these the prototype to this really busy bike shop in London, I believe, and they gave it to the to the to the tech and said, "Put this on every bike that comes in this shop, whether it's some old commuter beater bike to the the highest end racing bike." And apparently, they put it on two thousand bikes, and it only failed to um, be successful on just like a small handful of them. It, it looks like to me, Chris, that. The- they're not going to fit a, a flat no, bar. The no, reason no I say bars. that Absolutely is, I, I don't know if you've watched some of, some of these top Zwifters, but uh, famously, or as famously, I, I spotted that Michael Gamps, the, the diesel engine from BL13, for example, rides one of his ex-pro road bikes, but he's put flat bars on it because the position that he can get for Zwifting to put the power down on the pedals for his esports is optimal. Mm. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there maybe using flat bars or all sorts of bikes. Racers, okay, except they're going to be utilizing, you know, probably a a race bike or an old road bike they've got if they're lucky enough because I think you've got to, I'm assuming they're going to fit 95% of the smart bikes out there as well. So, yeah, absolutely. um, You've got to be sweat proof, I assume, as well, because that, you know, that's probably the most disgusting part of my bike, I would say, after a ride, the, the handlebars. So they're going to have to be pretty robust as well. Yeah, well, they did speak about that also. And actually, this is pretty ingenious. They came up with this proprietary process where they, they made a, a glow-in-the-dark sweat-like solution. And then they... <laughs> right, tell they, me more. Then they, they, I guess it, maybe they slathered it on someone's hands and had them ride around for a while and then turned the lights off <laughs> just to see if this... If this Solution had penetrated into the uh, into the uh, device, and and apparently it didn't. What like one of them CSI UV lights? Is that, yeah, exactly. Is that what they did? Yeah, so yeah, I don't know what's going on in the lab there in Zwift, but but hopefully it's it's uh, it's not an SVU type of thing. <laughs> it made it seem like they put a tremendous amount of uh, thought into this. Whether the thought is for um, you know getting people to Zwift or the other the other part of the press conference and you know, the, it's actually a, a, it was twofold. It wasn't just for this controller, but it was also to unlock the potential that the, the controller brings. And they're hoping to do that in offering a, a multi-input beta gaming experience. So the first part of that is, you remember the, the, the mountain bike course that, that was called, was it Repack Ridge, I believe it was? Re- Repack Ridge, right. yeah, you, you yeah, could yeah. you could like yeah. steer it up with your with your iPhone with like the accelerometers in your iPhone and like steer around, and 
Yeah, halfway up Titans, isn't yeah. it? You, you take a right up Titans and you go. Well, so now, so yeah, if you've been if you've been riding, um, you know, in that Titans area, there's been like there've been like barriers up there so preventing you from going into to Repack Ridge. But I think with the latest update that just came out, it's now available. But it's been it's been renamed yep. Repack Rush, and utilizing the Swift Play controller with the steering and the braking, it's almost like a like a like a Mario pickup type of game. You you, you can you, you get you get speed boosts and you can slow down a corner for different things and pick up pick up bonuses and it's like a like a like a, a time trial course with gamified elements to it. So you're not not only trying to go as fast as you can, but you're also trying to go as fast as you can and manipulate the controllers in like a game gaming type of element. So yeah, to, to what like hit boosters or get get time, yeah time bonuses. Yeah, exactly. Well? So. You know the John Mayfield, who who you know obviously I don't if, if you know anything about Swift, you've heard the name John Mayfield. Yeah, was it was he on the call as well? well he was, and he was a, a big part. You know, he's the one who introduced the the Swift beta gaming experience, and the way that he um, characterized it was, and this is a statement of the whole press conference that that stuck out to me the most was, online cycling is about to get more interesting. That's the statement that he used, and. He's saying that with the multi-input functionality, the steering, the braking, the the keypads, the navigation, it opens up the potential for Zwift to hit incredible gaming heights. Any kind of triple A gaming they can they can potentially have now. Any kind of battle royal yeah. game, any kind of pursuit game, gamified <laughs> training blocks where you um you know if you if you say you're doing intervals five by fives or something like that. Every five, every time your rest period is over, then you you have to chase somebody, like almost as if you're being um, tricked into into exercising, right? That was one of the, one of the terms yeah. that was used. And I, I I have a feeling you're not you're like me. I don't need to be tra- tricked into exercising. In fact, quite often I need to be tricked not to do it. But there's a segment of the population, maybe not the the motivated racers like you or I, that need these things and would you know they're drawn to the gamified elements i mean in addition to the younger generation who've grown up on these things and you know i know that you feel very strongly about you know getting the next generation of cyclists onto bikes absolutely right getting getting the youth exercising you know what who do you who do you think um has the most to gain from this thing and you know the not only the controller but the the inputs the potential that it brings i i feel really torn you know given the way you've just explained it in fact i do remember seeing a video uh, i think even pre-beta you know mayfield had done um i think it's out there on youtube isn't it you know basically riding around some woods picking up some coins or some of the the initial roads of, of watopia if i remember rightly um I, you know what, Chris? I'm in. I'm in two minds here because I'm thinking. Firstly, myself. You know, not that I'm an old school roadie, put it that way. But you know, I, I am in some respects an old school roadie. Um, you know, and and obviously there's still people out there I ride with. You know, who who can't get their head around the gamification of Zwift, who I've been riding with outdoors for a long, long time. On that side of me, on this left shoulder, there's there's those guys, and I think. It, you know that that gamification it's already a step too far for them i think it's kind of going to widen the gap between those more traditional 
cycle is if you start throwing in more gamification aspects you know getting being able to you know throw turtle shells or it'll hit power-ups or hit jumps whatever it looks like in play i think that might just widen the gap it might even widen the gap for me you know as i said earlier on when racing personally i like to think about the least things as possible apart from getting my head down and tactically thinking when i'm going to make my break but on the other side you know i'm a father of five and if this is a way that we can get, you know, uh, my, my eldest lad just turned 15, you know, and, and he, he does spend a lot of time gaming on Fortnite and, and all sorts of different games out there and watching other people play Twitch. If this is a way potentially that we could get more of the future generations exercising whilst having fun, I am all for it. But I guess it that then does leave the question mark, where is Zwift going? Is Zwift going mainstream in a way you know more of that dare i say sort of peloton type crowd you know and, and i dare say emma my wife would you know might be interested in being tricked into to exercising and keeping fit by having a having a bit of fun you know it, that's probably the biggest part of the population I, I also remember chris there was some figures out there wasn't there about how many Zwifters actually race and it surprised me because it's not as high as I expected but I think that's maybe because yeah maybe what was that number Chris do you remember uh, it's that number is uh very it's, it's like finding a is it a speculative oh, it's like finding number. a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow you, you know it's there but you, you're never going to be able to find it um yeah it's I don't know they I've heard 10 percent I've heard 20 percent the one thing that I do know, and I know that you're you're aware of this fact also, is that the racers are the most loyal, and that the retention of racers on the platform is greatest. Mm. You know, they, we're we're not the ones that are coming in and then and then leaving because we're not happy. We're we're, we're sticking there, right? No, you know, we're we're not we're not no. leaving. But I can tell you one thing that racers are loyal, but they're only loyal to the best race platform, right? So if another really good race platform comes along. Ah. then I might <laughs> give it a shot. And I have a feeling that you might give it a shot too. But before we move on to that topic, widening the gap between the racers and the the segment of, of the Zwift user base that's into the gamified element, into the, the um, you, know, you know, just the social aspect, you know, having to be motivated in other ways, maybe coming at a really bad time, right? Because we're where the, the topic of the Olympics has come up, the topic of the UCI tender process has come up. I don't, I'm not so sure how many of our listeners are aware of this, but the, the head of the Zwift Cycling Esports Commission has left the company, as has the head of Zada, which is the, the governing body for accuracy and performance verification on Zwift. So, yeah. You know, if, if you didn't know, you would perhaps say to yourself, I haven't heard any plans for Swift Grand Prix next season. I haven't heard any definitive plans for any kind of elite racing. Now there is no esports director. Um, there's no head of Zada. And you also will find it very hard to, to get this information. But from what I understand, they are the esports Commission and they are Zada. These two gentlemen. Now I'm speaking of of Dr. George Gilbert, the head of uh, esports, and Bjorn Ossenbrink, I believe his name is. Who? Yes, who? He's the head of uh, head of Zada. They both left to 
form another uh, virtual cycling platform called IndieVelo. And we don't have to go into that right now. We're actually, you know, you know, you and I, Sai, had the had the pleasure of uh, interviewing um, Dr. Gilbert not not, a, not too long ago, and he agreed to come on the podcast. So we're going to uh, unpack Indivelo with him. But it's it brings up the question of, you know, first of all, what is the state of esports in the world right now? Right? Do do other are other countries buying in? Is my country, the U.S., buying in? You know, the you know. You know, what would you think about that? Because I, I have uh, some some interesting takes on it. Yeah, well, I know that uh, I think you've been lucky enough to to sit down with a few of the the, the governing bodies from different countries to discuss this. So I, I have got a few questions there. Obviously, the the UK has had an interesting history. Um, you know, if, if you look at the the UK's history in this, we we had that big event for the national championships some years ago, if you remember rightly, which ended in some controversial fashion. But, but I have to say, you know, having spoken to a few of the, the British athletes um, who competed in both the two, the last two esports world championships, they were, were happy with the way the British cycling had dealt with them. But what we still struggle to see here is, is a plan moving forward, is a real acceptance of, of the sport of, of indoor cycling. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to, to get a bit of feedback from yourself on following your interview with uh, USA cycling and, and the plans they have moving forward do, do they really see it as a as an opportunity and, and and i guess are they putting the athletes at the same level um in the way they view the esports athletes as they do track athletes or road athletes for example chris well you know it's, it's funny because there i saw a post um a press release from usa cycling now usa cycling is the national governing body for all major cycling events in the united states so so if you have a national team, it's the USA Cycling designates the national team. So they came out with a list of all the athletes that were on the national team. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, some of the guys I know are going to be on this list. It's great. You know, I might see, you know, Brian Duffy or Zach Neer or, you know, my uh, my my good friend, Jay Bruin. I actually met Jay Bruin. Yeah. Um, I saw yeah, it's, picture, it's a big yeah. joke. Everyone thinks that I'm in love with Jay Bruin. And it's actually true. That That's a story for a different time. Hey, it's hard not to be. He's yeah, a no, nice he's guy. Super, he's super nice. Great guy. Um, and also, good looking. No, I'm just joking. Um, so I, I was like, <laughs> okay, what am I missing? You know, these guys qualified for a world championship and they competed in the world championship. They wore stars and stripes, right? In your case, you know, the, the, they, they would, you know, the guys from Great Britain wore your, your, the British national team jersey. They actually were given one to wear in real life. You know, they were on TV. I saw them wearing it. How come they weren't on the, the list of, of national teams? So, I was like, I have to be missing something. So I reached out to the, the head of sports performance at USA Cycling. And of course, he didn't get back to me forever. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll, I'll push it a little bit and I'll try to ask around to all the governing bodies of, of as many different countries as I can and see if I can get response. And it's amazing how if uh, you don't get answers to any questions that you don't ask. So I ask as, I ask as many as I can. And I'll... I'll I'll reach out to as, as you know to try to get comments and interviews from as many different people as I can. Eventually, someone will say yes. But actually, they, a lot of these uh, governing bodies were really, really um, welcoming and forthright. So, I spoke to um, the the head of uh, Cycling Canada, and they they said, "Yeah, we're all in on on esports. We have our own national championship. In fact, we run it in conjunction with the U.S. Ironically enough, um, our athletes that compete in the world championship are." 
have met the criteria are, and are members of our national team. Same thing, same thing with Australia. They're members of our national team. Same thing with, with South Africa. They were all saying we're all in with esports. We know it's a real sport. It's here to stay. And we want to be on the forefront of it. So then I, I got the head of Belgian cycling on, on the phone. And I'm like, okay, so if you had to ask yourself of all the countries in the world that have the, the, the deepest tra- tradition in cycling, what country would you say it was? Just off the top Belgium of Belgium every day. Belgium right. every day. Okay, so yeah, so then I'm like, I expect this guy to, first of all, not answer my call. And second of all, just laugh me out of the room. Couldn't have been further from it. He never committed to anything, but he said, we are 100% open to exploring the possibilities in our country. But believe it or not, we don't have a tremendous amount of resources here to devote to sports that don't have medal standing in the Olympics. Yeah, that's the same here, though, right? Most of the funding comes from the Olympic Association, I guess, and not the governing body as such. Or, yeah, I'm assuming the governing bodies, I know it was the case here, that most of the funding either came from the British Olympic Association or the National Lottery at one stage. I'm not sure if that's the same in the US. I have to say, though, Chris, this also, doesn't this link back to where we started? If you've got, who's doing the the verification of athletes anymore? Not not just on Zwift, but who's going to do the verification of the athletes at any level? Is that going to be potentially the IOC? Is that going to be the UCI? Is that going to be Zarda Mark II? you know, that maybe looks after all the different platforms that we got now, because I, I, I kind of have to agree that until we get the verification right, no matter what platform, whether it's IndieVelo, Zwift, RGT, whatever it is, my wish, until there's a, a solid verification in there that the outside world, the non-Zwifter, to want to use that word, the non-esports cyclists can really trust and get behind should we expect these organizations to put buckets of money behind? I, I want them to, don't get me wrong, Chris. I really want them to. But until that verification is there and it's really trusted at the highest level, you know, I know there's you know things that happen in other sports too. But haven't we we got to get that right first as a sport? Um, I 100% agree with you. And there are many layers to uh, the answer for this question. Um, I'm going to start off by saying when I spoke to Jim Miller for USA Cycling, he, they basically said, we know that, that esports is here to stay. The difference between being a member of a national team and competing in the world championships is that there has to be set selection criteria that an athlete has to meet in order to be named to a, a national team. They don't have that, that selection criteria in place in the United States. But what they have done is created an esports committee and... Jen Real, the DS for the women's uh, U.S. Yeah. team, and Holden yeah. Camo, who yep. was uh, the first U.S. with actually the second, the second U.S. Yeah, with national former national champion. Right, yeah, oh, he was yeah. the second. I shouldn't say yeah. first. That com- you know that committee being in place is a, a huge first step for USA Cycling, which has the the reputation for moving at a glacial pace. Um, and they're they're looking into um, getting a committee head, and they're, they're they're most likely going to tap Matt Gardner for that. Matt Gardner and, and Jim yeah. Miller uh, have been working in conjunction. Um, so 
that being said, you know, that's the framework that's there. You had asked that question of me. Uh, the second thing I asked him straight out is the, the whole cheating, the performance verification. Is that a, a, a non-starter for USA Cycling? Do you not want to put your name on this because you're worried that another scandal is going to, to break out? He said, it's certainly a concern. Yeah. It's a challenge, but it's not anything that would deter us from going forward. But we would need help because we can't do this on our own. Okay. So that that then you think to yourself, well, then a third party is going to come in. So where would that third party come from? And this is a this is the the big question, right? Because it it brings us back to the head of the Zwift Cycling Esports Commission, Dr. Gilbert. It brings us back to the head of Zada, Bjorn Assenbrink. They've now broken off of Zwift and they've created this new platform from the ground up called Indivelo that is basically built on the premise of creating the most accurate, verifiable race platform that there is. Basically just creating a race platform that's made for the Olympics. And I don't know if you caught when we, when you and I um, spoke with Dr. Gilbert, but he said, you shouldn't be grading your own homework. And basically what he meant by that is the Zada shouldn't be verifying Zwift athletes because it's a conflict of interest. So then, yeah, for, yeah, we, we said this before. For me, it, it's when you've got Zwift in the name of the verification organization, it doesn't feel right. It's never felt right to me, which is why I think, you know, it needs to be a truly independent governing body. And I know, you know, we're, we're Zwifters at heart. You know, we, we, we've been Zwifting a long time now. But maybe this is the time that we need to look at a truly independent body to oversee all. Maybe that's, you know, it, where, where are we up to, Chris, with the, with the IOC? Because it seems that there's a lot focused around this decision from the IOC of who, what is going to happen at this Olympic test event. Have you got any more insights there? Because I know you're a man with a finger on the pulse. Well, <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny that you say that. Um, not really, but... I do have an inside source at uh, at the UCI that, that has given me some information on this, and he you know, that's the whole was the reason why I wrote that that UCI tender article because the UCI is really not making a decision until they they find out from the IOC, and the IOC, mm. you know, basically holds all the cards in this, and they're going yeah. to be making a decision in, in short time about whether they're going to um, designate cycling esports as a, a medal event in 2028. And I would assume that this test event that's coming up that a lot of the athletes are going to be in, and we're actually going to be interviewing one of them. I'm not going to say his name, but, but you and I are going to be interviewing one of them after the, after the uh, Olympic esports series is over. So we'll get an inside view of what was going on there. Um, that'll be, be in a couple of weeks. From what I can tell, it's it's mainly going to be a demonstration event, but I'm sure you know the IOC is going to be watching it really closely. And there's you know they they basically hold all the cards here because if they give esports medal status, it's going to be a game changer. It's going to it's going to unlock funding as well for for, for many many athletes and many governing bodies. Yeah, well, that's for the sure. thing. It's it's all you have to follow the money in uh, in these respects, but it'll 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 boost growth of this new sport exponentially. So, so who's in, who's in the running, Chris? For the well, first of all, do, do we know who's doing the test events? Which platforms being used? And I guess we've got an idea of 
who's tendered. I, I, I know you, you wrote your article, but uh, shortlisted, if you remind me, it was shortlisted. Well, it's definitely going to be on Zwift. You know, Zwift is what the eSports series is going to be on. So that, that we already know. Um, and from what I understand, it's going to be a format very similar to the World Championships. Um, yes. As far as who's doing the, 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 who's involved in the tender process, um, I know, of course, Zwift is. I know my wish has, has put in the tender. I know Ruby has put in the tender. But the tender also uh, had a stipulation in this, uh, this actual um, edition of it where non-platform entities are allowed to offer a bid. So basically, if you're not a platform, but if you, if you tell us that you're going to partner up with a software entity and a hardware entity so like you know Zwift could partner up yeah like an event price. organizer yeah, so a main event so if you're the the event organizer that that promotes the biggest cycling event in the world you know the Tour de France if you're if you're ASO right ASO so yeah how cool would yeah. it be if you had a, a world championship under your umbrella you know despite what it was yep. right so you know so, someone like that could could rock up and and you know throw a bid in and say Zwift you want to do this with us or or RGT or Ruby or, or Indie Velo, right? You know, can you, but it still doesn't, it, you know, so th th that's still a possibility. And, and they're, from what I understand, they're not making any decisions until they, they hear what the IOC has to say. But yeah. it also doesn't answer the question of, of verification, which you had brought up previously. So like, okay, Zwift shouldn't be grading their own homework, right? But Indie Velo shouldn't, Indie Velo shouldn't be grading their own homework either, right? So if they if if they're yeah, doing true. all their verification on their platform, but but one thing that if you if you go onto the Indie Velo website, they have their proprietary game physics engine yeah. is trademarked. Yeah. Right. It says there's a little TM over it, and it also says patent yeah. pending. Right. Have you ever seen any yeah. of that stuff with Zwift or Ruby or RGT that their physics engine? So why would a company have to protect that? Why would they? Why would they want to do that? What's the motivation for doing that? It doesn't look good on their uh, on their on their website for it to be there. It's not like it's a shiny little thing. It's it's there for a reason, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I think. Well, yeah, we I've had this I've had this thought before, but visually, Zwift for me is good. I'm really comfortable with Zwift. You know, it, the way it looks, uh, you know, the worlds and so on. But the physics, we're still working on the physics of the game. We still, even on, you know, PD4, riding through riders, um, you know, and what I see is very different than what you see, you know, and I w I've watched multiple streams of the same race and it's very, very different. Um, so, you know, maybe we could see a time when, yeah, basically you could almost sell the physics, sell the algorithm of calculating the position of riders and, and what happens to a rider when they press on the pedals or they come into a corner too fast or, you know, all, all those sorts of things. Maybe, maybe you ultimately have a scenario where the, the, the physics of the, the pack and the draft and the way the rider moves is just inbuilt to another platform visually. You know, because we like the visual way that a different platform works. Maybe that's what they're trying to do is because I have to say, I, I have ridden in Develo. I know we're going to talk about this in a bit more detail, but I really enjoyed the physics of the game as a racer who races outdoors. Just the positioning and being able to hold position was so much 
more realistic on Indy Velo than I've experienced before with Zwift. I'm, you know, you know, I raced Zwift tonight before we jumped on this call. You know, that is still at the moment my my preferred racing platform. But the, the experience I've had on Indy Velo so far has been fantastic. So maybe we could have a combination of the two ultimately at, at, at some point. It does make me question the that what what is that relationship? Is is that you know we we obviously Dr. George Gilbert was had links with Zwift, um, you know, and, and now gone off and, and set up Indie Velo, for example. Yeah, is, is that relationship done? Is that over, that, that relationship? Is the links there still, Chris, do you know? Oh, well, I, can, I, can, I can tell you unequivocally that Dr. Gilbert has mentioned to me on numerous occasions that they don't see themselves as a competitor with Zwift. They consider themselves having a symbiotic relationship. He's very sensitive to not burning any bridges because he thinks that it's, I'm I'm putting words into people's mouths, but in my opinion, he feels that it can only improve the sport if everyone's working together, which in, in my in my mind opens up the door to he's got he's he's creating this this technology and he's going to get it to be as perfect as possible because he's building it from the ground up. He's a, he's a master coder. You know, he, this guy is a he's a genius. He, he has a degree in astrophysics, so I guess he's fairly bright. And he created the the worldwide nine one one network, the, the network that absolutely can't. Can, yeah, yeah, I heard that. that. You know, so if you have a, a a network that needs to scale at an unlimited degree and can never go bad, maybe that's the guy who you want to create your uh, your your basement uh, bike racing platform for you, right? So yeah, when you said we were going to be talking to him, I did have a quick look at the history and what. Yeah, I mean, to have that technical coding background and the links for so long, because he worked with British Cycling for some time as well in the UCI. And he went to school on all the things that, you know, that, that needed to be fixed at Zwift. And unfortunately, Zwift was not built as a gaming platform. So they've kind of had like, you know, add on to it. And the, the fact that it's a proprietary code, it's not uh, built on a Unity gaming platform, makes it very difficult for them. So, you know, what the way that I see this happening is twofold. I think that he's going to be licensing the technology. It's going to, you know, the, the, there's going to be a swift skin on top of the Indie Velo physics. I think that their verification is going to break off. It's going to be, you're going to, instead of WADA, you're going to have DADA, the Digital Anti-Doping Association. And it's going to be a total yep. separate entity. And I, whether it's something that, that he runs or he, he sets it up and then it runs itself, that's the way that I see it going. I see that we're going to have licensing the, the best I, technology I it, and then having a impartial third person body to do the verification. Yeah. That's the only, only way that it can go and be credible. And I think that's only the only way that the, the IOC w- will have it also, you know, if, if they're knowledgeable in, in the topic. You know? Yeah, we, we, we've really got to find that independent body. I know we've seen different uh, organizations, you know, we had the eBio passport and so on. But the problem is that's a standalone platform that doesn't integrate, has no pull of data from, from any of these existing apps. It's, you know, it's a fairly basic level of information you put on these things. But I really think we need this single body whatever that looks like that's going to do the verification and be able to pull data because uh, i think the other thing with the indivelo is it's got the the native dual recording as well right which i think my wish has as, as well i'm not sure about my wish because you know it's funny because I, I, as we're having this conversation i'm thinking about this there have been since i started swifting in 2017 there have been a lot of platforms that have come and gone right 
Now, I shouldn't say come and gone. There have been a lot of platforms that have come. They haven't gone, but they haven't exactly taken the form. Yeah, they haven't grown. They haven't, they haven't yeah, drawn exactly. me. I tried RGT. I just just didn't do it for me, right? I've spoken yep. to a lot of racers. They could race on RGT if they want. In fact, the, the U.S. National Championship is on RGT. I think those, those guys only race it one time a year. Um, and yep. a lot of them do my wish, but they only do it because... They're making more money. They're making money. more money on why I wish than they would if yeah. they were um, a domestic on the road you know, on, on a Conti team. Some of these guys are making such huge money. It's it's unbelievable. But they tell me straight out that the physics are horrible. They have no idea who's a real person, who's not. You know, you know, and it's even worse for, for the ladies, unfortunately. And yeah. it's just not the experience that they like. But every single person, every single elite racer, every single high-level racer, and I say racer, like, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the the social person that's going on the platform just for exercise. I'm talking about these are, these are high level, very discerning people, people that know the difference. Every single one of them, 100% to to the letter have said that they, they love Indievelo and they'll, they'll scream it from the, the top of the hills because of that experience. So going back to what I said earlier, racers are loyal, but they're, they're only loyal to the best race experience they can get. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And uh, it looks like Indivelo, that's the way they're going. They're going after that racing market. And I guess looping back round to where we started, there's still that question mark of, of where is Zwift going? Where is their, their focus? Um, is it going to be aimed at that, um, I'm not going to say the, the Peloton market, but the non the non-racer, the non-bike rider who just wants to get fit and have fun, right? Fit I is think fun. it's a, a perfect way to sum this conversation up is, you know, what is the Swift Play controller? What does it say about the path of the company? I don't think it's towards racing. I think that, I think that Zwift, if you ask them in a, an honest moment, are you happy that Dr. Gilbert and Bjorn left the company? Um, they would, they may say to you, yes, we are, because it takes that burden away from us. Like we know that we shouldn't be the one doing this. It'd be great if somebody else could do it for us. And then we can focus on the things that, w that we really think are going to grow the company that are going to take us into the, the next generation, because that's what's going to make us solvent. It's going to make us profitable organization going into the future. Uh, that, that's another question, Chris. How these swift play controllers then? Uh, I'm, and wait, if it gets young people onto the platform, gets people exercising, gets people on bikes, whether it be indoors, initially and outdoors, I'm all for it. If we can find a pathway that gets this next generation onto bikes via esports, um, you know, then then I'm I am all for it. But the other, how much do these things cost? What you know? If I want a joystick on the end of my handlebars, how much is that going to set me back? That, that's a great question. If you if you buy it and the, this this is going on sale as of you know, the the moment that this podcast is being released, because this embargo has been, it's like it's kind of like it's eating me up inside. No, it's a uh, at twelve <laughs> noon on, on the east coast of the U.S. on the fourteenth of June. The Zwift Play will be available at a promotional price of ninety nine dollars pounds or euros, depending upon where you are. Yeah, Chris, I mean, if, have you put yourself, I mean, I don't know if you want to edit this out maybe, but today isn't the 14th and I've been asked you lots of questions here. Is this, uh, have, have you gone too far with the information you've shared with me? It's the 13th, was it today, the 12th, 13th, where are we on? Well, just like when I told you that I'm in love with Jay Bruin, um, I, I've also told you that, you know, we signed an NDA and you're not allowed to tell anybody about this. All right, so I'm going to pretend this is the 14th today. Then, exactly, right? and if you do, I'm going to come... Uh, 
And uh, just like I've taken away your your ZRL Champions helmet, I'll take away your 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 British Grand Fondo jersey as well. <laughs> I was going to say I, I don't have a helmet, and as of yet, there's there's no uh, there's no jersey either. But I am hoping by the time we get round to the next recons, I mean, if, if ZRL goes ahead, if if racing is still a thing on Zwift come this winter, that when I do the recons, that jersey is going to be sat here, and Chris. You may never know. I might actually win the Grand Fondo World Championships in Glasgow, and I might have my own rainbow striped jersey there. It's on a lumpy course in Scotland. You never well, know. Well, you you definitely have uh, you, you've reconned that course. I know that. Now I would you know I, there would be nobody more delighted than me to see that that rainbow striped jersey. Am I allowed to use the Zwift play controllers IRL though? That's what I want to know. Well, maybe know. you could like retrofit them to uh, <laughs> like like James Bond, and then you drop like a, a an oil slick behind you or something like that. You know, because that that's basically what, you know maybe gamification for real life. Yes. Right? And maybe the, maybe we can we can yeah. blend the two, and it, it would be so exciting. Yeah, I'm going to bring saddlebags back to racing. I know that there will always be racing on Zwift. Um, of course, there will. The the I don't I don't think that's yeah, going to be the case. We're we're only joking about that. It's just just what it's going to look like, and whether it's going to be more like a you know Grand Theft Auto or Mario Kart or what. Uh, if if it means I can throw a shell at Jay Brune and beat him in a sprint, then hey, I am now up for it. So bring it on. Yeah, well, there might be a special power up that protects Jay Brune. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lobby for that. You're very protective of Jay Bruin, I must have met. We should we should not talk about Jay Bruin anymore. But he is a nice guy. Anyway. <laughs> Anything else? Chris, thank you. No, uh, you know what? You've you've enlightened me once again. I look forward to uh, all of these topics and see how they unfold before we get to of course peak Zwifting season. September, would you say it starts September, Chris? For me it's that's September. When starts again. That's what I'm that's what I'm gunning towards. I'm, I'm training right now. I'm building base. But um, yeah, and also, um, please do me a favor. Don't say anything to anyone about this. I'd like to thank you for the privilege of your time and for helping to bridge the gap between athlete and avatar.